1: walking the path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we're studying the teachings of the Buddha in this program, which is over seven month period. And each Sunday, we go through a different chapter in the book, Developing a Life Practice, the path that leads to enlightenment. Now we're on chapter 21, which is titled, Do No Harm. What is the future of our planet? So thank you for joining. I'd like to kind of guide you guys in a discussion today, which is a bit different than what we will typically do in this class. Typically what I'll do is I'll share teachings with you and teach you what's actually in the book. But in this particular chapter, the way that I do it is I just let you read the book either before or after class, and then I guide you in a discussion. But before I do that, let me just share a few things to help kind of prepare us for discussion that we're about to have and i view all the classes that we have as a discussion rather than a lecture or a discourse or anything like that it's more of a discussion of me sharing the teachings with you and then you guys asking questions about them but today it's going to be a true discussion where you guys are going to probably be doing most of the talking so this particular chapter do no harm what is the future of our planet it's in the book as a way to help you understand and help bring to your awareness the decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis that can be impactful to the planet now a lot of people think about climate change in this particular topic of climate change as being a political issue and i don't view it that way at all i view it as if somebody is interested to move to a higher consciousness or to enlightenment they are interested in cultivating wisdom and they're interested in seeing the truth for themselves and they're interested in making decisions that are not impactful or harmful to other people ensuring that when we make decisions that we do so in a harmless way and that's why the title of this chapter is do no harm what is the future of our planet because over the last you know hundred years or so we've done a lot of harm to our planet through not having the wisdom to understand what it is that we were doing. In the last 100, 120 years, we've invented a lot of substances and a lot of chemicals that didn't exist 200 years ago or 500 years ago, surely not 2,500 years ago during the lifetime of the Buddha. So there wasn't the potential or the ability for things to get polluted in the way that there are now. So In the 4.5 billion years of history that we think that this planet has existed, in the last 100 years, 120 years, this is like a blink of an eye. In a very short period of time, we have created a substantial amount of progress and technology, but also we've created a lot of chemicals and substances that we didn't realize were going to actually harm the planet. And somebody who's making their way to enlightenment, while you don't necessarily need me to teach you about climate change because I'm not a scientist, and you don't necessarily need me to teach you how to make wise decisions related to improving how we interact with the planet so that we don't do harm, what my goal of this particular chapter was, was just to raise to your attention the understanding that not only do we need to make wise decisions to ensure we're not harming other beings or animals or humans or other beings throughout the cycle of rebirth, but we also need to be aware of any decisions that we're making related to the planet because we're going to experience the results of our decisions, just like the natural law of Gamma. Whatever we put out is going to come back to us. So over the last 120 years or so, we've heavily polluted the planet with all kinds of different substances, and we see that all around. And just sharing a little bit of background from my life and kind of what I've observed just in the short time that I've been in existence is when i was growing up as a child i used to skip school you know sometimes when i was in like second and third grade me and a friend we would kind of skip school we would hang out in the woods and walk around and do things not going to school and we would actually drink out of the creek with our hands you know or sometimes we put our mouth right down into the creek we only lived about 30 minutes outside of washington dc and that's how we drank and made sure that we were hydrated then we used our lunch money to buy some little bit of food at 7-eleven or something like this in order to be sure that we were drinking water and eating because we couldn't go home because our parents were there so that's how we sustained ourselves as we were skipping school but i'm almost certain that if i went to that same creek today That there's no way you could drink directly out of that creek. It would be heavily polluted with different substances that we have invented and then unfortunately have dumped into our water sources. There's a lot of research that shows that even wild salmon that are pulled out of rivers in America that are supposed to be really clean have countless substances in the flesh of the body of the fish, things like antidepressants, even cocaine, antibiotics, things like this that we've been flushing down our toilet or throwing away. These are things that we invented in order to help us in some cases, but unfortunately, without us realizing how we were disposing things like oil and gas and different chemicals and petroleums and plastics and things like this, we've caused harm to our planet. And now we're experiencing the results of that with increased amount of storms and floods and different weather events and the the heating up of our planet and things like this. And there's about 97% of the scientists agree that there's definitely climate change going on. And we understand the universal truth of impermanence that of course the climate's changing it's constantly changing it's not fixed right but there's 97% of the scientific community is agreeing that there's been drastic changes to the environment that if we get to a certain point it's irreversible and i think that if you can ever get 97% of any population of people to agree to one particular thing That's pretty substantial because it's very rare that 97% of any particular community would agree to any one particular thing. But here we've got 97% of scientists that are agreeing, yes, there's been drastic changes to the climate that will be irreversible if we continue on this path. So as a person who's interested in moving to a higher consciousness and making wiser decisions, we can think about the planet and think about how our daily decisions as an individual impact the planet and as part of cleaning up our decisions through wisdom by gaining wisdom we can actually improve our decisions because when i was growing up i did a lot of polluting at least to the degree that i look at now based on the way that i function now like when i was growing up i was taught you know as you're changing the oil in your car you just dump the oil in the woods and you take the oil filter and you you know toss it in the woods. And that's what we did growing up. And in some cases we might've even dumped it down the sewer, but you know this was like 30 years ago. And then over time we learned and we grew and we gained more wisdom and we understand that that's very unwise to do that. But I didn't understand that at age 17 when I had my very first car. And then also when I was about you know, eight, nine, 10, 12, Uh, We would be eating in the car, driving with our parents, and we'd be eating fast food or what have you. And we had trash and we were taught to just toss the trash out the window. You know, this was in the 80s when I was growing up. And then over time, we realized like, gosh, if we keep doing that, the whole uh, road system and the planet's getting dirty. And we started having these things in America where people adopted highways and there was a public educational campaign to educate people not to throw trash out the window and now you know i wouldn't even think about throwing trash out the window but the reason why i'm able to think that way now is because of wisdom you know i didn't have that wisdom when i was a child but over time it gradually evolved and we learn more wisdom and we make wiser decisions and there are certain things in our life that we have all learned and that we might be practicing in terms of how we're choosing to conduct ourselves in daily life. And these ways that we're choosing to now function that maybe is helping the planet, we can share this in a discussion with each of us that whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or Zoom, I would like to invite you guys to be able to share what it is that you're doing in your life rather than me teaching you all the things that I do. I like to use today's class to be able to provide you guys an opportunity to talk about things that you've learned about and things that you're doing in your life. Because in doing that, we can all maybe learn a little bit from each other. And when we learn a little bit about what each person is potentially doing, we might hear certain suggestions that we like or that we think would be easy to implement. And we might choose to use those in our own life as well. Because sometimes the way that we think about Kind of improving something like climate change is we might think that all of us have to get in the room, we all have to agree on a set way of doing things, and then we all have to leave, meaning all of us, meaning the whole planet, you know, which is impossible. Instead, what we can do is we can share wisdom as a community. And by sharing the wisdom of the things that we're actually doing in our own life, then As we hear things that we're like, oh, I really like how Tony does that or wow, Tonka had a great idea there. I I think I'm going to start doing that, too, and add that to what it is that I do. So by sharing like this, we can all adopt new understanding and perhaps learn some wisdom from each other. So that's what our class is going to be today. It's just giving you guys an opportunity to share what it is that you're doing to make wiser decisions in your life that are better for the planet. And what you might have seen in this chapter, if you've read it already, is there's two main things that I talk about in this chapter that when I was looking across all the different research about what are two things that I could do as a person in order to minimize my impact on the planet? Because even just walking down the street, you know, we're affecting the planet or we get in the car and we drive down the street, we're affecting the planet. But how can I minimize whatever impact that I have? And there were two things that I saw across all the different research that I saw. And they're really easy things that if we understand them, we can practice. So I'll start by sharing two things that I uncovered and I put in the book And then I'll invite all of you, whether you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, to share what it is that you do. And you might have two, you might have one, you might have four, five, six that you'd like to share. So the first thing that I saw that all the researchers and all the scientists agreed on that each individual one of us could do that would drastically improve the health of the planet is just to not waste food. This was huge when I started thinking about this. They said, you know, essentially in America, about 40% of all food that is produced goes to waste, meaning we only eat 60% of the food in a place like America. Now that by itself is like, wow, that's a pretty significant number. But when you think about everything that's behind that number, that it's not just the food that's being wasted, that in order for there to be food that is produced, that there's farmers that have to drive somewhere they have to get loads and loads of seeds that have been produced and then those seeds come back to the farm they put in all these resources of gasoline and time and effort energy the water, then as they plant them, they have to grow them and take care of them and nurture them. They harvest these plants with more gasoline, more resources, then they package it and put all these vegetables and different food products into packaging. Then they're transported to the store. Then the store has to put them into the shelves for people to be able to purchase them. Then people have to drive to the store, purchase things, take them home, You know, so there's all these resources of time, effort, energy, and resources with gasoline and tires and rubber and all these things. So that means that the 40% waste number isn't just that the food's being wasted. It's all this time, effort, energy, and resources. 40% of it is being wasted. And if we look around the world, we see that there are certain places that have famine that don't have enough food for the population of people right now, where if we just ate all the food on our plate and ensure that we're not wasting food, this really would help to reduce the amount of impact that we have through our own personal decisions. So this is why when you get to the end of the chapter, if any of you guys saw the picture that I put there, it's just an empty plate with a fork and a spoon. And I thought that was a beautiful picture. So I just took that picture of an empty plate at the end of a meal, because I think that that represents something of beauty, that we can have a certain meal and then we can eat all of our food. And we know that we haven't wasted any resources going into producing this food. Here in Thailand, I don't see food getting wasted. It's very rare that you see something like that because people are going to eat the food. They're going to share their food with other people. They're going to have animals that are around that they might feed the animals, the food that's left over. So food doesn't really go to waste here in Asia. But I was surprised to see that in a place like America, 40% of the food is wasted. And that's probably true in other places too, like Canada or the UK or Australia and places like this. So just eating all of our food can have a significant impact to the health of the planet because all those resources aren't getting wasted. The second thing that I saw researchers and scientists agree that we can do individually that will impact the health of the planet is One, of course, not wasting food, but the second one is they suggested that people switch to a plant-based diet. And you may or may not be ready to do that today, but it's something you might think about and consider because there's all kinds of benefits associated with this. Not only are you improving your own health of the physical body, because when we eat meat, We actually are ingesting toxins and hormones and chemicals and antibiotics that get pumped into the animals in order for them to grow quicker and make more profit. Those substances are being ingested into the human body and this causes sickness in the body. Not only switching to a plant-based diet will help your body to be more healthy and you're not causing harm and injury and death for animals, but it's also helping with food production because what the research shows is there's data that shows that like a hundred kilograms or a hundred pounds of beef for example takes a certain amount of land to grow that amount of meat and then of course they have to plant grain and they have to do all the the resources to plant the grain harvest it feed it to the animal there's all this water and so forth and we might at the end of that get a hundred pounds or a hundred kilos of meat and then they do the comparison and they say okay taking the same land in the same water for example how much vegetables can we produce and it's like 50,000 kilograms of broccoli or 100,000 kilograms of cauliflower or something like this so with the same amount of resources that produces 100 pounds or 100 kilos of meat those same resources can be invested and actually produce 50,000 or 100,000 kilograms or pounds of vegetables. And this can be very beneficial for the planet and for your own health as well. So these are the two things that I contributed in the book and I'll just share here. You guys are welcome to ask questions on these if you like, but mainly what I would like to do is just turn the class over to all of you guys To share what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis that we can share amongst ourselves and build our collective wisdom about ideas and thoughts about what we can be doing on a personal basis to be able to make wiser choices about how we potentially impact the planet. So if you would like to put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, the moderators will either see your questions in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom and read that, share it with us. Or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and just share with us directly. And today, I'm going to be able to display your Zoom camera on YouTube and Facebook and so forth. So people will actually be able to see you talking and things like that. So I'll just turn things over to all of you guys to see what it is you would like to share with each other about how you make decisions on a day-to-day basis of things that can be less impactful to the planet.
2: Yes, sir. I can. I can uh, start off here, sir. Um, I like those ideas. I've heard those ideas before. Of eating even plant health, plant-based diet, uh, very important. And then the waste here in North, I'm in North America and Canada, and the the waste is uh, is is terrible. If you'll feel bad about it, uh, uh, and that's something that I've got to work on. So that's something that I'll I'll start bringing into my practice to try to work on on a daily basis. So I appreciate your. Uh, you're suggesting these a couple of things that I've, I've been doing, uh, they're not, not big as, is, is driving. I've got a truck that I used to use at work and, and, and a vehicle. So I try to drive, drive the car. That's uh, about twice as efficient as my truck. So I, I uh, whenever possible, uh, uh, do that. Uh, so that's a little start. Uh, another thing that I've been doing is I take my, my dogs for a walk. Um, uh, in, in the woods near where I live and, and it's a party sort of a party place it's, it's on, on on the lake and it's a little bit of a party place so I see kids have been in there I presume kids, presume kids go out at night with uh, beer cans or or uh, bottles and that type of thing and garbage so I'll pick that up and, and, and try to clean up the environment uh, and keep it, keep it uh, looking pretty so just small things that I I try to do. Um, That's it for me, sir. I see that uh, Rick has his hand up.
1: Sure, if I could just make a comment, Tony, because I really like what you were sharing and, and one of the things specifically that you were sharing where you were talking about, you know, I just do these little things. I think this is really important for us to understand. As part of anything that we're looking to do that is new or different, just taking baby steps. Oftentimes when we think about implementing change, the mind doesn't want to do that because it craves permanence. It's holding on. It doesn't want to change. So. When we think about taking these big steps of doing these big, huge things, the mind can be burdened with that and really kind of reject any kind of change in our life because we see this big step and the mind's not willing to do that. But one of the things that you were talking about is these baby steps and doing little things. And this is really wise, not just with climate change and making decisions related to how we impact the environment, but all parts of our life. We can just make these little changes. This is why when I teach meditation, I teach that two to three sessions per day, 30 minutes or more, that's the ideal. But wherever you start is where you start. You know, If you start with five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it's up to you. I think when I first started meditating, it was maybe one or two minutes per session at the beginning. And then you just gradually build it up from there. And the same thing can be applied, not only to the path to enlightenment in terms of gradual training, gradual practice, equals gradual progress this is direct teachings from the buddha about the path to enlightenment but we can also use this same way of being the same methodology in all parts of our life including implementing certain decisions related to improving how we impact the planet is we can just do baby steps and do small little things and then build up bigger and bigger from there and one of the things I remember that I did when I was in America is when I got out of college, I started you know, being more aware while I was in college about how it impacted the planet. And I started to understand about the toilet and how the toilet uses so much water back then. And I learned that if I took like a half gallon plastic milk jug and I put rocks into it and I slid it down in the back of the tank, that it takes up more of the space in the toilet tank and then when it refills with water it uses less water so it uses a half a gallon less water every single time it fills up and every time i flushed and this is something that took me maybe two or three minutes to set it up and then i put the cover on and then i walked away from it and from that point forward it was saving a half a gallon of water every time the toilet got flushed and This is something that not only is good for the planet, but it's good for finances, too, that you're saving water. And a lot of the things that we can talk about in terms of what we do to be less impactful to the planet, not only is it better for the planet, but oftentimes it's better for our finances as well. So you can think about these little baby steps like Tony's talking about and some things you can set up and it just takes you a few minutes to set it up and then you can walk away from it like I did with the toilet. So I just thought I would highlight what Tony was talking about there and add another example for you guys. So it sounds like you were going to Rick there, Tony. Is that right?
3: Correct. Correct, Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, teacher David. Uh, The only really significant thing that I'm aware of in my mind as I'm talking right now that I have made significant change that I've made. Occurred probably a year ago when I was reading your chapter. May may have been this chapter from early animal. Weekend, I'm not sure, but I decided I was going to go vegetarian. I was going to try to be as vegan as possible, and it's been a it's been a, a, a process because when I thought I was eating mostly vegan, and then I went to the retreat, and somebody brought some information to my attention about cheese and things like that, it made me even you know because of the new knowledge gained by the sangha and by you. Uh, I made new decisions, you know, and and so I've been able to eat, I would say 99.9% of the time I'm eating strictly vegan. And um, there are so many new things as far as the technology, the food technology that allows us to do this, whereas when I tried this once before, I actually had become ill several years ago. But, you know, with the Impossible Burger and things like that, those things are out there. And uh, I can take advantage of them. And what I've been doing is, like when I go to my parents for dinner, I used to just go over, and if they served a flair mignon, I was gonna eat it, you know, and eat vegetarian or vegan at home or whatever. Now, I bring my protein source with me. And my dad actually tried the Impossible but He said, this isn't bad. And he wanted to know if he could have more of it. So in the process, I was spreading more information to other people that I know and they were they were starting to make changes and that was really really cool um I think the only thing other thing I'd like to mention since I heard you guys talking about is I think the one thing I'm still struggling with um or, or one of the things I'm still struggling with is that concept of less is more and so I think the more that I put into my meditation practice and learn to let go and uh, the more objectivity I have when I'm cleaning my house and giving things to people and practicing generosity and realizing I don't need all of this stuff because the more things I bring into the house, the more I'm using and damaging the environment. So um, that's a future right to get. That's the thing I want to start working toward more. And uh, I think that's it for now.
1: Yeah, that's very true, Rick, that, you know, as you make changes, as each of us make changes in our life, Those changes influence others around us, and that's one of the reasons why you'll hear me say sometimes, you know, that improving your practice, you know, it's helpful for you, those close to you, and all of humanity, that, you know, all of us are interacting with various people, and they might learn about what it is that we're doing. We were kind of talking about this a little bit before class, about how as we're navigating the planet people might observe like wow you've got a really good memory or wow i like how kind you are you're so kind or you know you're so calm or something like this and this is a opening for you to be able to say oh yeah you know this is from my practice of the buddhist teachings and then people might be like really you study buddhism i didn't know that oh yeah you know and you can kind of help them to see what it is that you're actually practicing and then they get influenced not that you're trying to force them or you're trying to control them or you're trying to tell them what to do in your life but when people observe the choices and decisions that we're making they might decide that that's something that they would like to learn as well and that's a opening for you to be able to suggest a book or a website or a facebook group or this class or something like that so that's wonderful that your dad is kind of observing some of the things that you're doing and choosing to go in that same direction potentially with his food and his eating. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, Rick.
2: Yes, sir. uh, sir Miranda has a question for him.
4: Thank you, Tony. To stem off of what Rick was saying about less is more, I found that a really good way, excuse me (laughs) while I shyness, um, i found that a really good way to not only practice generosity by giving away the things that we do have that we aren't currently needing, that aren't necessary for us right now, and then um, also be beneficial to the environment is to donate our things instead of just saying, well, I don't need this thing anymore and then throwing it away, taking it somewhere like Goodwill, Salvation Army, any of those type of resale stores that you might have around you. There are different names in different areas. And then also while you're doing that, personally, I get 95% of the clothing that I wear from secondhand stores. And this kind of minimizes the carbon footprint that we're creating just by the clothing that we're wearing. Um, and Really, we don't need all brand new clothing. We can reuse clothing that other people have donated, that they've stopped wearing, outgrown, those type of things. Uh, and then for just some other different suggestions on different topics, as far as going vegetarian and vegan, there is an opportunity for us to do backyard gardening. This is something that I've done in the past on a, decently large scale for the land that I was living on there are different types of plants that can be planted close together or in containers depending on what your situation is and you can even talk with neighbors and one person can grow say green beans all green beans the next neighbor can grow all carrots and then at the end of your growing season you can all get together and kind of swap and trade out and then everyone can have a bit of what each person has grown. And this can reduce the carbon footprint of even being vegetarian and having to, as you pointed out, David, have the farmers go with their diesel powered tractors and harvesters and everything, and then truck those to the store and then people go to the store and cart the stuff back. Um, And then in doing this too, You can also look into what your native plants are that support pollinators. Because most plants are pollinated by insects, not by wind. And right now it's coming to light that our pollinators are really kind of facing a problem of endangerment. So if we can look into our native plants and plant some of those around too to support the pollinators, that could be helpful. and looking into front yard gardening as like a grass alternative. Um, Lawns are a huge waste of water and really a waste of resources. If you think about all the houses down the street with all these lawns, they're not producing anything. We're just watering them and sometimes fertilizing them, using herbicides, pest control on them, weed killers. Uh, Some cities do have ordinances against that. And if you have a strong enough group of people, you can even petition your city to allow grass alternatives to be planted in front yards. So you can use that as another way of either planting vegetables or uh, plants for pollinating insects. Um, And then to go back to what you were saying, David, about food waste, Um, being vegetarian, we can save our vegetable scraps and freeze them in a big, uh, one of the gallon size freezer bags. And this too is something I've done in the past. And when you fill up a couple of those, you can actually use that to make broth and then freeze that broth and then use that broth in your cooking later on and learning to repurpose our leftovers. I used to have a problem with leftovers. (laughs) I would make something we needed a couple of times and then it would sit in the back of the fridge and get forgotten about. But if we can learn to turn those into different things to eat, so we're not getting bored eating the same thing over and over again, that can reduce our food waste too. And looking for imperfect produce at stores, Um, even Meyers, which is a big grocery store here, They've started with their produce that's bruised or misshaped or, you know, different things like that. They put them off to the side. Still, they sell them for a reduced price, and they're like labeled "oops," produce. But we can buy those. They're still just as good. They just don't look as pretty, as appetizing. Uh, so that could be a way to reduce food waste because it won't be thrown away, and also help a bit financially too, sir.
1: Yeah, these are great ideas, Miranda. The one that you were talking about with secondhand clothing, that's really popular here in Thailand to be able to go places. And they actually have real stores. You know, in America, secondhand clothing is mostly thrift stores and Goodwill and stuff like that. But here, like they have well-established stores that sell all secondhand clothing. Even Bailan, his mom, took him yesterday to get a brand new pair of shoes And the place where they bought the shoes, they said, um, you know, be sure to bring those back when you're done with them and we'll buy them back from you. And then you can use that credit towards another pair of shoes. So not only is it really common for people to buy secondhand clothing and shoes and things like this, but it's really common for businesses here in Thailand to purchase things. I know that a few years ago I needed a a winter jacket because it was getting really cold. I was driving down the street with my motorbike and I was starting to get really cold. And there's places during the cool season that are selling secondhand jackets. And I just pulled over and uh, got a big brand new, or not a brand new, but it's secondhand. But for me, it was new winter jacket. It was only $10 where that same jacket I know in America would be easily a hundred to $150 to be able to purchase that jacket. And in the past, I would have never thought about buying secondhand clothing because at that time I was making a lot of money. I was in business, you know, had all this money and income coming in. So, you know, we just went and bought the most brand new thing, but now living a different type of life and having limited resources, secondhand clothing is like, yeah, sure. Let's buy a secondhand jacket. And it's really nice. And i Joy wearing it, and it was such a small amount of money. And should I ever decide to not wear it anymore, I can actually turn it back in and probably get, you know, maybe $3 or $5 back out of the $10 that I spent for it. So these kind of things are really nice here in Thailand. And as more and more people get used to this throughout the world, then maybe other business owners will open up businesses for secondhand clothing because, as you say, it's really good for the wallet that you are you know spending less money and you're getting these sometimes really good quality clothing that is just as nice as anything else that you might wear so thank you for sharing those ideas
5: yes you're welcome, sir
2: mm-hmm. yes sir talk i have a question in zoom
5: hello i just wanted to share uh something that was interesting to me last week my daughter and myself, we went to a confinement store, I believe they call it, looking for her wedding dress. And it was such a nice experience to see that we have nowadays that kind of stores. Like people that use those dresses bring it to that store. And then uh, whoever buys the store, uh, whoever buys the dress, then uh, the profit is shared between the store owner and whoever brought the dress in. So my daughter was able to find a beautiful wedding dress for half a price. And that dress wasn't even worn at all because the lady changed her mind and she went with something else. So it was just a good way to see, uh, how people can share resources and benefit. It was a win-win for everybody in that situation. So like, uh, like example, with secondhand, uh, stores, it's amazing because personally I have a rule. I can not bring anything in my household before I get rid of something else. So once every few months, I clean my closet, I clean everything, I I take to secondhand shop, whatever I don't need, and I may uh, get so many items from there if I need something. Uh, yeah, I watched a very good uh, documentary on Netflix that was showing how much uh, trash we have from clothing, how, uh, how uh, like, uh, Trying to to follow the trends with clothing causes so much damage, and how much uh, people struggle. People that make that clothes, how they they make their living, like uh, on few bucks and uh, like just sewing, and you know, like it was it was kind of eye opener in that regard. So I'm very careful with buying my clothes now, and I try to do it secondhand. Also, um, I noticed how um, all this is related. Like, uh, if we are minimizing uh, our expenses, it's uh, beneficial, obviously, money wise. But also, like, if we are just buying produce, mainly produce, if we are not buying packaged food, processed food, usually it's beneficial for our health as much as. Um, it's, uh, environment friendly and financially we, we benefit. So it's all kind of a uh, win-win and also a few years ago, I sold my car, uh, like, uh, when I moved and, um, I noticed everything was around, uh, in kind of 15 minutes walk radius from me. I have three grocery stores and my workplace is 15 minutes walk. And I decided to, to see if I can live without the car. I sold my car and I put money on the side thinking if I need the car, I'll go and buy one, but I want to give this uh, a good go and see if I can live without one. And it's been two years. I've been without the car and I'm happy. I'm saving money. I'm walking a lot, which I believe my health benefits, and uh, it's good for environment. So I did notice like it's just a win-win on every every aspect, and it's amazing. So whatever is good for environment seems to be good for our health too, and for our finances. So it's amazing, really. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is where we can see the natural law of karma, right? That we make wise decisions, they produce wholesome outcomes. That when we're but when we're causing harm, then harm comes back to us. So that's what you're saying there is like when it's a win-win. It's whatever is good for the environment is good for our health as well. That's the karma. There you can see the natural law of karma. So thank you for sharing that, Tonka.
6: You're welcome.
1: One of the things that I'm thinking about as I'm here listening to you guys talk is I think about how ingenious human beings have been over many hundreds of years, but particularly in these last 120 years, how we've created all these machines and engines and oil and gas and all this technology that, that we use now. I mean, think about being able to even do this live stream and talk to each other in all the different locations that we're in right now this wasn't possible you know 15 20 30 years ago but we've got technology to the point where we can all connect from all these different parts of the world and have a conversation like this so the human mind is amazing when it's put to use towards something wholesome and something good we can be so ingenious and come up with all these different ideas of how to make the world a better place and what you guys are sharing is exactly that is once we realize oh my goodness our decisions have been going to harm the planet the decisions we've been making have been harming the planet let's improve that and now as a human species we can actually start putting our human mind towards making wise decisions that are beneficial to the planet. And you get things like Tonka, you know, not having a car or going shopping and being able to purchase a wedding dress where it was not a brand new wedding dress and it was less expensive. And just that person who was ingenious enough to create a business where people could put their wedding dresses on consignment. This is ingenious. When we think with our mind about, the goals that we're trying to accomplish and not causing harm, then we can put our decisions towards things like this. And we've been so ingenious over the last 120 years, there's no reason why over the next 120 years, with more and more wisdom, we can make wiser and wiser decisions that lead to better and better results. Where in the past, we were Unknowing of true reality. I didn't realize at age 17 that dumping oil into the woods was harmful. It's just not something we ever thought about. And until we did start thinking about it, then it's like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Why didn't I think about that? Let me stop dumping oil in the woods, you know, and we learn how to do things better. And that's what life's all about is gaining more and more wisdom. And that's what the path to enlightenment is all about. And what you guys are sharing is really helping us all to get ideas about how we can improve our decision-making so we'll be less impactful to the world. So who's next, Tony? Uh,
2: Yes, sir. It looks like that's all the questions that we have right now. So let me check. Uh, Yes, that's all the questions we have right now, or or, not questions, but people we have right now, sir.
1: Okay, it looks like there's a few Just Hold on a
2: second. Brandon just raised his hand. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, chime in. Uh,
6: quickly, because a few things that I had I've already been said uh, by Greg and Miranda, but I, I became uh, well the vegan slash vegetarian two years ago, uh, and uh, found that it's the main reason why I did it was because of um, the harm that you know and all the waste that happens, you know, with us harming all of the the animals and, uh, you know, the livestock and how much of that, you know, how much killing the slaughterhouses do and how much energy is, you know, wasted in the slaughterhouses and, you know, how much of it gets wasted. Um, before that, uh, I was a really heavy meat uh, eater. Uh, I considered a a full meal, you know, something that was, you, you had to have some kind of, meat in a, in a, you know, in a full course meal. Um, so uh, that's just part of, uh, personally, something that I've done, along with, uh, I try to recycle, like, as much as I possibly can. I have a big family, and, you know, we could easily produce a lot of waste, so that's very important for me to stay on top of, is that we're not wasting. Really a lot of uh, things that are not going to biodegrade into the earth. Uh, So, but other than that, I was just uh, listening to everyone else, and there's a lot of other great ideas I want to incorporate as well. So, but that's all I had.
1: Thank you, Brandon. Nice for everybody to get a chance to meet you. I think that uh, this might be the first time you open up your camera for everyone, yeah? yeah? Yeah, it is. Yeah, welcome. Nice to meet you. Well, I've met you, but nice for everyone else to meet you. Yeah. Yes.
2: Thank you, uh, sir. Miranda, has her hand raised? Yes. Thank you,
4: Tony. I actually had a bit of a question for anyone listening, really. I'm attempting being vegan. My one hang-up has been eggs, they've been my main protein source. Um, aside from meat alternatives and tofu and these types of things. But I'm looking for an alternative to eggs. I did discover eggs, but they're this little tiny, a few ounces bottle and it's $5 a bottle where I'm at. And that's a bit too expensive for the way that I am living. So if anyone has any suggestions, like egg substitutes that are higher in protein but not five dollars for a few ounces that would be good (laughs) if anyone has any suggestions for that and then I did have a unique opportunity to um, be living in a fifth wheel for close to a year nine or ten months last year and in doing that what was noticed was there's a lot of wasting water, as you were talking about before, David, that normally would go unchecked. Uh, There was a 30-gallon water tank on board this fifth wheel. And one of the first days we were there, we were trying, we thought, to be mindful of how much water we were using. But throughout the day, drinking, washing dishes, cooking, those types of normal activities, the person that i was in the fifth wheel with went and took their shower and then i went to go take a shower which i don't take long showers and when i we were doing at least i was the get wet turn water off soap up turn water on rinse as i was rinsing off we ran out of water and it was nighttime so i ended up soapy until morning uh because it was very dark but if we can Be more mindful of the water that we're using just day to day in the activities we're doing like cooking washing dishes brushing our teeth showering that would really help a lot because once we became more mindful of it and with trial and error started using less water we then only had to fill the tanks up once a day instead of once in the morning and then once towards evening to ensure that we have enough water for the rest of the evening. So if we can be just mindful of little things like that, that can make a huge impact.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, Miranda. I have a question for you guys, too, is um, here in Thailand, LED lights are really big is that becoming really big in the U S like when you guys go out to the store is like the primary lighting source that you guys look to purchase led lights Miranda shaking her head. Yes. Okay. I was just curious. Cause you know, I've been here in Thailand for so long and I haven't been in an American home improvement store in a very long time, but I noticed ever since first coming here that led lights are used quite a bit throughout Thailand. This is another way to conserve energy, right? You're talking about conserving water, you know, conserving electricity by using LED lights. They last longer, they use less electric and all that good stuff. So it looks like, I'm not sure if Tony's still on, it looks like we have some more. Yes. Okay. I hope I
2: pronounced the name correctly. Rudinda has a question.
7: Rudina. Rudina. sorry about that. Hi everyone, it's been a while. Hello, hello. And Todd, Todd is over here. He's saying hello. Hello, guys.
1: Congratulations Um, on your engagement.
7: Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, he proposed in Albania when we were on vacation with our parents. Mm -hmm. So it it was nice to do so. Both parties are there. but I, I'm I'm grateful. I'm sorry I haven't. We've been MIA, but I was glad today I had this calling. I said, okay, it's te- it's gonna nine o'clock. I'm like at ten a.m. There, is going to be on with the team, and I'm gonna go. You know, just to try to get back into the routine a little bit. Um, but thank you so much for our, all of you guys sharing today. I didn't know what the 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 study was going to be today, so I, I'm I'm glad though because I feel that it shed a lot. A light into at least my lifestyle babe. my lifestyle um and you know i come from you know when i you talk you're talking about water you know resources and all that i I just came from my home country and there is like there's hours where they don't have water or there's hours where they don't have electricity you know that and they they have it scheduled where every two hours or at one o'clock the water comes in so it just kinds of uh, reminds you of how blessed we are—at least the ones that live in U.S.—with the amount of resources we have and how much we misuse them. So, I'm I'm glad that you brought up the the showering the water, turning off the water when you're not needing, and you're maybe using the soap and washing. You don't need the water. We I used to do this back in the days because there was only so much amount of water that you can use. So. And I know, I'm just kind of, um, one thing that I don't know if you have mentioned and I may have missed it. I know we do it here, but, and it has changed the culture a little bit in the U.S., is, you know, you bring, they charge you five cents if you don't, uh, five or six cents, if you don't bring your your bag, your plastic bag when you go grocery shopping or other places. And, you know, at first, uh, you know, this is a couple years ago. At first, I was like, this is so stupid. Why would they charge you five cents? And it just, you know, not knowing, I guess, not being educated in it or not understanding the, the the reason behind it. I'm like, it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, okay, obviously, you know, trying to save the environment. So it make, makes sense. So I definitely, I think that's one thing that I, I try my best. Not always do I, but I always reuse the bags, even, even if like whatever bags that I get from the store, I'll take them at my salon and we'll reuse them for trash. And then... I won't even, you know, and then I'll get a big one and still save these small ones to reuse them. So that is one one thing that I try my best to do it. I know I was pescatarian for a while. Um it went back to meat but I'm trying to go back to pescatarian. Um you know, I don't know if I could ever do vegetarian because I know David had mentioned a couple of times in the past about, you know, how good. I know, you know, I, I think when I was born into this universe, I was definitely vegetarian because I never ate meat. Um, I was very much, uh, I hated the taste of meat, the smell of meat. So I, I'm sure maybe one day I can get back to that. But uh, yeah, that I think I liked uh, one of the ladies and I've never met her, um Tonka. If I say that in her name right mentioned something about, um, what well, uh, she said um, you know confinement stores and going to. Oh, she said every she has this beautiful rule, and I really like that that you shared that, where you won't buy anything new, um, unless you know you, you give something out. So you'll 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 prepare whatever clothes that you have to give, and then you'll bring some new ones in. And I, I, I like that. I actually did that recently, so I'm glad you brought that up. I usually tend to just do that season, and just every season, I I just, whatever clothes, I'll go to Goodwill and take that, uh, take that there. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to chime in a few things. Honestly, the things that you guys already mentioned, I, thank you for bringing the light to it. I don't know if I uh, – I didn't understand the grass concept until Todd explained it to me that Miranda brought up, like – all this grass I was like why does it matter I said it's grass it's a plant and he's like yeah but the amount of resources and carbon for that it's needed to you know water it every day just to look pretty it doesn't serve a purpose um so I'm like okay well that makes sense but yeah that's all I mean it's kind of just a couple things that you guys mentioned already I don't really have necessarily anything new besides that we're blessed in U.S. and we need to just not you like not take advantage so much of the resources that we have, although we have uh, just to be more mindful of that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. One of the things you were talking about there is like the reusing of plastic bags or just cloth bags or what have you. That's really helpful here in Thailand. We do that a lot. And one of the things that I noticed here, I don't know if they have this in the US yet or not, but some stores, they're starting to create this type of plastic that's biodegradable. It's made out of like corn or something like that. And within nine or 12 months, it can actually be absorbed by the earth again. So people still use cloth bags and reusable bags and things like this. But there's a few stores that if you ask, like if you forgot your cloth bag or something, you can purchase one of these bags. They have the cloth bags, but they also have the plastics that are made out of corn. Like I noticed my wife, she buys this saran wrap now, this plastic wrap for leftover food that's biodegradable and you can tell it's different than the other stuff we used to use it's a lot thinner but it's biodegradable and it's actually significantly less expensive the way that she purchases it in in bulk so that might be something that you guys might either already have or something that You guys might see in the future is that they're starting to create plastics that are biodegradable. It's always better to just use reusable, you know, the cloth ones, that would probably be ideal, but just be on the lookout that even things that you might need plastic for, like plastic wrap for leftovers and stuff, there's some manufacturers who are starting to make biodegradable plastic wrap. Thank you, sir. Rick has his hand up. Yes, sir,
3: thank you. I'm not going to show this on the screen because it got damaged, um, unfortunately, but I wanted to reply to uh, Miranda's query. What I do, I very rarely eat any kind of non plant based food. When I do eat eggs on very rare occasions, Um, I have a friend who who has a farm and she raises the chickens herself and treats them very, very well. So, and I need to have protein because I'm diabetic and if I don't have the adequate amount of protein, my sugar is significantly less, I'm less able to manage it. So what I've been using uh, is something called orgran, Vegan Easy 8 for cooking. It's got about 8 grams of protein. And because I need more protein than that, what I usually do is, and I've had you guys to thank for this, because when I was on the retreat, some, other, some of the students showed me a lot of the different brands that are out there. So I might have vegan jerky, or I might have a better than sausage, or, or I might have a plant-based uh, protein powder along with the eggs that I eat. So I just wanted to share what I do. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Rick. And for all of you guys that are either in the process of moving to a plant-based food supply or you're thinking about it, one thing that I would like to share is that pretty much every food that we eat has some amount of protein even like broccoli cauliflower carrots if you look at the nutritional facts these things have protein because for a long time i did i thought only meat has protein and when i was first thinking to move to plant-based food supply i was like how am i ever going to eat protein without having meat so that's one of the first things i needed to look at and when you look at it you'll actually see that all these different foods will have protein in it so if you're considering moving from meat over to plants and you're concerned about not having enough protein, you can look at the vegetables and see that they actually have protein in it as well. One of the things that I saw when I was switching over to a plant-based food supply is, you know, in the old days when you were interested in switching over to a plant-based food supply, there was like all this research and trying to figure out what to eat and Honestly, I think the food choices 20, 30 years ago probably weren't what they are today. Today, there's things that are really, really tasty that are plant-based foods. And people would spend a lot of time back then you know, really researching and figuring out what it is that they were gonna eat. Well, when I started looking at doing this, what the research showed is that you actually don't have to do research anymore in order to switch over to plant-based food. That if you just eat whatever you feel like eating, you won't allow the body to become malnutrition. So I never did like a whole lot of counting. I'm sure Rick has to do this because of his diabetes. But for me, I never had to do all the counting of protein or all these other things. Instead, you know, if I'd like to eat peanuts, I just eat peanuts. Or if I like to eat cashews, I eat cashews. Or if I would like to eat cauliflower or broccoli or carrots or something else, I just eat it. I don't have to you know, be obsessed about looking at all the nutritional facts because you will naturally eat what the body needs when you go into stores or when you order food at restaurants or what have you, you will select foods that you need for the health of the body. This is a a thing that I saw uh, when I looked on different websites, they were like, you know, in the old days, we used to research to switch over to plant-based foods, but now the research shows you don't have to research in order to switch over to a plant-based food supply.
2: Thank you, sir. Brandon uh, posted that beans are a good source of uh, protein.
1: Mm, that's a so good that's idea. A great,
2: great good. And uh, Miranda has a question.
4: Uh, yes, thank you, Tony. Um, I was going to suggest, too, something that just came to mind while Rodina was talking, actually. Um, For those who live in larger cities, you can also, this might be a good time of year to do this, really, because it would allow time to do some research into it. I know the area that I live in, the metro Detroit area, Detroit actually has a program called Greening Detroit, where they are taking areas that were blight areas, where there are abandoned houses and buildings, and as those are demolished, they're turning them into city gardens. So I don't know, if if you look into this, you may find that your city has something like that that you might be interested in getting involved with. And if they don't, you could always use either Greening Detroit or another city's program that you find and propose this as something that could be done in your city as well. And some cities grow flowers and it's more of a Nice place for people to walk around and relax and enjoy and other cities actually promote growing fruits and vegetables and even fruit trees where then that produce is free for any who would be needing any food They can just come and have that for free. So that's just another suggestion that just came to mind while Vivina was talking about. I think she was talking about lawns and grass. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Miranda. Do we have any others from Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, Tony? I'm not uh, sure. Tony
4: has his mute on still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that on Facebook we have no questions at this time, sir.
1: Okay, anything on YouTube?
2: Nothing on YouTube. It's nothing on YouTube. Uh, just a comment from, from uh, Tonka was that uh, lentils, just one second, uh any kind of beans, lentils, and split peas are an excellent source of protein as well. It looks like that's all the questions at this time, sir.
1: Okay. Well, I'll just kind of wrap things up here that you know on chapter 2 and on chapter 21 we usually have this kind of group discussion. Not only is it a great time to share wisdom from within the community, but it's also a good opportunity for you guys to meet each other and talk to each other and have discussions and You guys are welcome to always come into zoom early before class we usually getting into class about 30 minutes before the start of class so you're always welcome to come in early and if you're the first one in it'll only be a matter of a few minutes probably before somebody else joins so there's usually some kind of conversations going on prior to class so this is a really nice part of being a part of a community is that you get to meet each other and build relationships and get to know each other. This can be a really nice aspect of joining together in a class like this. So even though we're all in different parts of the world and we're having this online community, we do come together for retreats and different things at different times. So it's kind of nice to come together online as well that you guys are welcome and invited to be able to do that. Even each week as we come together on Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday for classes, you can join a little bit early. So next week in our class, we're going to be on chapter 22 in this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. In chapter 22, it's titled Mental Health, a Modern Day Delusion. This is where if you've already been studying the other parts of the book and you learned about what's causing things like anger and sadness and frustration and all these other things, what I'm going to help you see is how a lot of the things that we're terming mental illnesses today are actually just an untrained mind. Things like ADHD, this is, you know, typically somebody who's labeled as not being able to be focused or concentrated, and you know they have a lot of hyperactivity. But when you train the mind, you actually see that those symptoms are completely eliminated. Oftentimes we're taught that this is a brain defect and that we're gonna be this way for the rest of our life. That's permanence, right? We know that this isn't true. So I'll give you some teachings next week to help you be able to see how all these things like depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, personality disorder, narcissism, things like this can all be traced back to pollutions of the mind that the Buddha discovered 2,500 years ago. And when we train our mind and we eliminate these pollutions, you'll see that you or your loved ones aren't actually mentally ill. Uh, While right now you may be taking medicines or your loved ones might be taking medicines for these certain things, when you learn what's actually really causing the mind to lack concentration or when you understand what's causing the mind to be sad, then you can also eliminate these symptoms as well. So I'll guide you guys through that and help you learn. If you'd like to read that chapter beforehand, there's much more detail in the chapter than I'm going to actually be able to teach in the two hours that we tend to come together for the hour and a half. But I will walk you guys through that chapter and helping you see more and more clearly that we can actually get liberated from the expense and the taking of The medicines that we take doesn't mean everybody's going to necessarily do that. But if you're interested in learning how to do that and why it's possible for you to do that, then I will teach it to you as part of Chapter 22. And then this Wednesday, I will share with you Breathing Mindfulness Meditation and guide you guys in a session of Breathing Mindfulness Meditation if you'd like to come together for that as well. So thank you all for joining for today's class. We'll see you in one of our future classes. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadika. Thank you for listening
0: to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment.